Hey guys, welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. Joey is not here today uh, doing a solo pod on this Friday. Usually doing it on a Thursday, but there was a crazy snowstorm uh, yesterday in Jersey that we had no idea was coming. Um, you know, there was a, it was basically a surprise snowstorm. We all thought we were going to get about an inch or so, you know, and then the rain will wash it out, but no. It was snowing all day. We got about six inches, and it was a hot mess outside because nobody knew about it. We didn't know what was going to happen. There weren't any plows out. There was a ton of traffic. The George Washington Bridge was closed. I mean, it was just insane. Um, but uh, when my daughter got home early, my wife wanted to go pick her up early, and we got home. I'm like, before it gets dark, it's probably she's she's turning three. Uh, well, she's two and a half now. Uh, but I mean, I was like, you know what? Instead of me doing this podcast, let me go outside and and play in the snow with her. So that's what I did uh, instead of recording. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna record this now. Let's let's get into it. Uh, Packers Seahawks yesterday, pretty good game. Pretty good game. Uh, Mike McCarthy had some de- definitely some questionable uh, decisions uh, again, uh, yet again in that game last night. Um, but Aaron Jones. He played on about 90% of snaps. Uh, that, that's the story of that game, uh, especially in the fantasy world. Um, his time is here. Uh, he's, he's a workhorse back. You know, the last time we saw any back get that type of work was last year, early in the year with Ty Montgomery getting about 90% of snaps um, ahead of Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. But this year, it seems like his time is here. I think Jamal Williams only got one touch, which is pretty crazy. Um, so... You know, Aaron Jones, his pass blocking has definitely improved. Um, Pro Football Focus is actually rating it one of the best in the league uh, when it comes to running backs uh, and their pass blocking skills. So, you know, there's not much that Mike McCarthy can say anymore as far as what Jamal Williams does better. And there's no reason why he should be on the field. Now, if you have Aaron Jones, um, this is handcuff season. So, you know, handcuffing him with Jamal Williams isn't a bad idea. Just because, you know, if Aaron Jones were to go down with an increased workload, Jamal Williams would become the three-down back. And we saw what he was able to do last season. He was, you know, a league winner last year uh, in that three-down role. And that wasn't even with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what else? Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin finally, finally had a good game. Um, it was coming, right? It was about, you know, it was going to happen at some point. Um, so he caught seven of ten targets for 52 yards and a touchdown. You know, his depth of throw isn't, you know, he's playing these short to intermediate routes. And then you have Tal Lockett catching those long, long passes. And he did in this game. He just didn't score. Uh, But he had a good game as well. Uh, But yeah, no, this was a good game. I love watching Packers Seahawks. It's always a classic every time. Uh, And this wasn't, you know, this was, this was a pretty good game as well. So I'm glad to see a, a pretty good game on a Thursday night. Uh, but yeah, let's get into the start sits. Um, the first start I had Aaron Jones, but uh, that's a that's an obvious one. Carry uh, on Johnson. Uh, so you know before this game, Aaron Jones had a seventy four percent snap rate, and then he moved up to a ninety percentile, which is amazing. Uh, but you know, similar to Aaron Jones, Carry on Johnson's snap count last week of seventy one percent is very encouraging moving forward. Uh, he's involved in the passing game, uh, even with theoretic back. Uh, he caught six balls last week with theoretic back, which is pretty good. This type of usage, meaning his snaps plus his touches, is basically must-start territory. Um, you know, he had a goal line conversion last week after two failed attempts by LeGarrette Blunt. That can be a sign of thing- things to come as well. Uh, the Lions, you know, they're just struggling on offense right now. They're playing from behind more often than not. 
but it's Carrion and Riddick on the field together rather than just Riddick you know, in the backfield after Golden Tate was traded. So, you know, this Tate trade is actually benefiting Carrion's usage a little indirectly more than we thought. Um, but this week, you know, tough matchup. Um, you know, it's not that tough against the Panthers, honestly, but with the Lions having one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in the league, you know, and Carrion involved in the pass game, I think his floor remains high either way. All right, Alex Collins... Uh, he has a great rest of the season schedule. It starts this week against Cincinnati. They've allowed 5.5 yards per carry over the last three weeks, five yards per carry over the season, and his volume hasn't been consistent, right? But the Ravens have a chance at sustaining a lead and or a neutral game script against the Bengals. Uh, you know, their offense couldn't find themselves last week without A.J. Green. If they couldn't get it together against the Saints at home, what are they going to be able to do against the Ravens' defense in Baltimore? Um, but you know, because of that, Collins has a shot of 15 plus carries along with some goal line work. He's always a risky start because of how this backfield stays in flux. Ty Montgomery is going to be potentially playing in this game. Who knows what his involvement is going to be? Um, but you know, th- because of the schedule, this can be a start of a nice run for Collins. Um, I think Kenneth Dixon is also being activated and he's practicing today as well. And who knows when the Ravens will actually activate him over the next couple of weeks if they do. Um, but yeah, so so he's he's someone to to keep an eye on. Now, as far as uh, who's going to start at quarterback, we don't know, right? Obviously, if Joe Flacco plays, the offense should be able to move the ball a little bit easier. Um, you know, if it's one of the other backs, they might actually depend on Alice Collins a little bit more, but the offense might not move as well. But you know, if I have Collins and I don't have any of those workhorses, I, I think he would be uh, a fine start this week. Uh, Dalvin Cook, um, you're probably saying that's obvious to start him, but you know, just wanted to mention him because he's back this week uh, and he has a tough matchup against Chicago, but he's a three-down back, and it, I think it's a must to start a t- any talented three-down back on a good offense. You've been waiting for him to get back, and yes, it's against a tough run defense, but he's involved in the passing game enough to give you a solid return. Um, I'm just hoping that his hamstring holds up. And that hamstring did look pretty good in the long run in week nine before his bye. I think, I think that run, you know, those stupid, like, you know, you know, when they, they kind of clock you, you know, with the miles per hour. Um, I think his run was one of the fastest in the league this year, which is super interesting. Um, but Deion Lewis is the next guy I want to talk about. Uh, over the last three weeks, he had touches, touch totals of 19, 23 and 22, which is awesome. Um, it just says that he's the guy in Tennessee's backfield. Um, and with him involved in the pass game as much as he is, he's almost a must-start on a weekly basis. He's not really uh, dependent on any game flow. Um, he's not game flow, game flow dependent. So he's going to get vultured, no doubt, here and there by Derrick Henry. He can get into the end zone without seeing goal line carries, right? And you can see you know, Christian McCaffrey's doing that sort of thing. Obviously, he's not McCaffrey, but... You know, touchdowns on top of his 20-touch floor is kind of just icing on the cake, especially in PPR leagues. Um, The Colts, they have been pretty stout against the run on a per-carry basis, but they're in the top 10 in allowing rushing attempts and top 3 in running back receptions. So Lewis should have the the opportunity once again in this matchup. Want to point out that Leonard Fournette had 29 touches on 52% of snaps last week. I mean, I'm going to say that again, 29 touches. On 52% of snaps. (laughs) So, I mean, like, look at yesterday. Aaron Jones had, I think it was 16 touches on 90% of snaps. So, it kind of tells you uh, what you need to know right there. Um, 
that's serious volume, and you have to start that type of volume every single week. Um, I just, you know, want to talk about him just in case you're wondering whether you should start Fournette over anyone you've been starting over him while he was hurt. And I don't think you can bench 29 touches plus goal line work. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald. The rest of the season is really pointing upwards for Larry when you consider it. You know, that subpar first half of the season that he had. You know, he had injuries. There was inconsistent offensive play. They changed to a rookie quarterback. And then they finally made a good change, which was firing Mike McCoy, getting Byron Leftwich uh, to get in there and use his playmakers as they should. Him, David Johnson. Um, and Larry has been averaging nine and a half targets over the last four games, uh, averaging 11 over the last two. So that target volume should turn into some fantasy points this week against the Raiders, who've allowed the ninth most fantasy points to slot wide receivers over the last eight games. You probably drafted him in a PPR league to give you some consistency, and I think we should see that more often than not moving forward. Sammy Watkins, he should play this week. He's on track to play uh, coming off that foot injury. Um, If you're not starting him this week in the shootout of shootouts, right, Rams, Chiefs, you're doing it wrong. He moves around the formation a ton. There's no spot where the Rams defend wide receivers well enough to avoid him. So I'm starting the wide receiver two for Patrick Mahomes most weeks, especially this week. I think the decision is really that simple. Okay, uh, want to talk about John Brown and Willie Sneed. I'm going to assume Flacco plays, um, you know, and while I'm not sure I can trust either guy if Joe Flacco misses the game, the Bengals have been terrible at defending wide receivers in the slot and on the offensive's right side of the field, you know, allowing the most fantasy points to those specific positions over the last four weeks. Snead lines up in the slot, and John Brown lines up on that right side on almost 50% of his routes. So, you know, Snead should put up his regular, like, five, six catches for 60 yards. So, you know, he's a decent PPR start for that safe floor that he has. And then Brown has some real upside and a nice bounce-back spot for him. Um... Now, as far as Crabtree goes, he's an okay play in PPR leagues. William Jackson III has been playing a little bit better lately on that left side. I would honestly downgrade all of them if Flacco doesn't play, only because we don't know where the target distribution will be. Um, if RG3 starts, you know, he still has a, a, an arm. So, uh, Brown can still catch a bomb. Um, he's still a boom-bust play either way. Uh, but I do like John Brown in this matchup. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Now, he hasn't come through in a couple weeks. Right, but the weeks before that, he had a couple of really good games, and I think this week against against the Saints, I think he should bounce back. Um, the Saints have been letting their the opposing number one perimeter wide receiver to do their thing. Brandon Cooks, Stephen Diggs, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans—they all had great games against the Saints, and I think we should expect that to continue this week for Jeffrey. Um, I'm usually starting him every week. But listening, I'm just talking about him just in case you lost some confidence in him as, you know, as a must start. Um, Corey Davis, he's getting some real volume right now. Uh, While the Titans, you know, they're looking to get their offense back on stride coming out of the bye. They're looking a lot better. It's really tough to sit a guy who had two straight 10 target games, right? And then they're going against an Indianapolis team who is 27th DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, against a team's number one wide receiver. So I think Davis, he has a safe floor, uh, some ceiling combination for the rest of the season. And I think this week he's a pretty good start. Okay, uh, moving on to desperate starts. Uh, Mark Ingram. Like I said last week, Ingram is startable despite his lack of production. And he ended up popping off on the same amount of touches he's been getting prior to his big game. Um, so he, you know, he's getting around 15 touches on a great offense, right? And that's the guy you probably want in your lineup more often than not. 
the Eagles haven't been stout against the run as we've been used to. You know, they're they're actually giving up 5.8 yards per carry over the last three games. Now, that's mostly due to Zeke last week, but they're at 4.7 for the year, which isn't great. The real issue is that teams aren't running on them. They, they're allowing the least amount of carries. So that's part of the reason. Now, the Saints are going to do them, right? And they, they want to run the ball. So it's possible that they add another, like, 20% of carries to that total that Philly has already allowed for the season on their own. All right, so moving on, uh, Theo Riddick in PPR leagues. I think he has a solid floor moving forward. He's seeing time on the field while Kerryon Johnson's on the field as well. Um, he's seeing some extra opportunity at wide receiver. He's seeing uh, 16 and a half snaps per game at wide receiver since Tate has been traded. Um, and that's correlated to six and a half catches per game for him over the last couple of games. So I expect like, you know, a 10 point floor with maybe a little bit of upside. Um, and if he's lining up, we've seen that him lining up at wide receiver for Matt Stafford before he's been looked at, you know, along the goal line as well. So he has a little bit of upside there. Uh, Calvin Ridley, you know, last week was a disappointment, no doubt. And his floor isn't as safe as what we thought or what we would have liked with, you know, with the larger sample size, um, you know, we can kind of see a trend and he had a good matchup last week too. So, you know, it's something to, to keep an eye on. In six of his eight games, Ridley has averaged about four catches for 45 yards. So not super awesome, right? The other two games were seven for eight for 146 and three touchdowns and six for nine for 71 yards and one touchdown. So, you know, his volume isn't consistent, but we know he's capable of a blow-up game. Now, either way, you know, his floor is not rock bottom. So I think he's playable when we see a good matchup. He had a good matchup last week and even had a favorable game favorable game script, but he didn't come through. And this week he has another one against the Cowboys, who are great against that left side and slot where Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu typically line up, but not so great on Chidobe Awuzie's side where Ridley primary lines up. So the Cowboys are giving up the six most fantasy points to wide receivers lining up on that side. Awuzie is being targeted on 25% of routes run against him opposed to the 14% or so towards the other two corners. Um, so, you know, I'm looking for Calvin really to have a good game this week. Kiki Cutie, Demarius Thomas. Now, Kiki Cutie is a game-time decision this week. Um, I thought he was on, you know, on trend to play this week. Uh, but it looks like it's you're not going to find out until Sunday. But either way, the Redskins, they've been real vulnerable on the outside, so DT can have a good day if he sees the targets. Now, this is the first game that he'll be playing with Kiki on the field, so it'll be interesting to see how that target share plays out. Um, the Redskins, they do play better against slot wide receivers, but I'm not too worried about the matchup. The Texans, you know, passing offense as a whole has high upside, and I prefer Kiki in a PPR league um, and DT in like a standard or half point. Uh, Sterling Shepard has a great matchup against MJ Stewart. We all love that name, and we're looking to see who lines up against him every single week. Um, and, you know, you're going to play your slot wide receivers against the Bucks because of that. It usually works out. Um, Shepard's target volume of three last week was very disappointing, but before that he was averaging uh, about 7.5 over the last four games. So Bucks have allowed the most fantasy points to the slot position, so I take my chances for some upside with him this week. Much preferred in PPR leagues, but we've seen in favorable matchups in the past that he's put up good stat lines. Uh, another slot receiver, if you're a little bit desperate, D.D. Westbrook. They've The Steelers have given up the second most fantasy points to slot wide receivers this year. It's been super iffy to figure out which Jags receiver is going to come through in any given week, but it's really whittled down to D.D. Westbrook and Dante Moncrief. 
with Keelan Cole kind of playing behind DJ Chark at this point, which is amazing to see. Uh, but Westbrook has been their slot guy this year. He actually had good games when the slot matchup was favorable, particularly against the Patriots and Jets. His 10 targets last week provides a bit of a boost of confidence in him, but obviously knowing this team, it can be false confidence as well that that could be taken away like the following week. But, you know, if you're looking for a PPR play this week, I think he can be plugged in straight off of waivers in most leagues. Josh Reynolds, uh, you know, if you're desperate, you know, go ahead and start him. You can't really go wrong in a game that has a projected Vegas total of 64 points. (laughs) You know, he'll play on the outside where Robert Woods typically lines up. Woods is going to go inside uh, to the slot after the Cooper Cup injury. He's going to take Cooper Cup's role. Um, But that outside spot on the right where Orlando Skandrick lines up is actually the vulnerability for the Chiefs. Um, And their secondary, they've been giving up the 12th most fantasy points to wide receivers lining up over there compared to the slot and left side where they've held their own over the last eight weeks. They're giving up around 22nd most fantasy points to wide receivers. So they're actually pretty good. you know, at those two spots. Um, this is a high-flying offense. You know, it's not a bad idea to tie yourself to it in any way you can, especially when they play three wide receiver sets more than any other team in the NFL. Um, now, we want to talk about Golden Tate. Now, he wasn't fully integrated into the Philly game plan last week. Uh, he only played on 18 snaps. It's not really encouraging, obviously, going into this game, uh, but they are playing against the Saints. So if that doubles in size as far as his target his his snap count goes maybe he can actually get something going um i'm looking for another option if i can but at least the matchup might increase his potential on a per snap basis now doug peterson did say that he's further along will will have a bigger role this week um the slot is where a lot of teams have taken advantage of the saints and tate did play 12 of his 18 snaps from the slot last week so the matchup advantage is there i'm just hoping that the opportunity is there as well Oh boy, Traquan Smith, zero targets last week. Now, you might be looking for like straight upside. Traquan gives you that upside, but you have to be shooting for only upside. You have to be okay with a zero this week. I mean, if you're going, you know, if you're projected to lose by like 40 points, then, you you know, he's probably a guy you want in your lineup. Um, But yeah, I mean, Philly's secondary is just depleted. They have no cornerbacks on the outside. Um, You know, he's not a recommended play if you're not okay with taking that zero, but. Like I said, if you're projected to lose by a ton, why not? I mean, Drew Brees can give him two touchdowns, two long bombs. And this is Philly. They've they've already been bad on the perimeter, and now they're losing corners uh, to injury. So uh, not a good look for them. Okay, guys, you need to temper your expectations on. Tevin Coleman, here are his touch numbers over the last four weeks. 11, 13, 18, 14. So it is steadily going up a little bit. Um, but... That 18-touch game still feels like the outlier. That's the number we need to see more often for us to feel confident having Coleman in our lineup. Uh, But hovering around 12 to 13 touches isn't really going to cut it, especially against a Dallas defense this week, allowing 3.6 yards per carry. Um, So you might have to start him out of necessity, and it's a good offense, but not the best matchup. Okay, Uh, Joe Mixon, he was taken off the injury report. He got some limited practice in, but he's practices in but he's he seems like he should be good to go um he's getting solid volume right um and if this game against baltimore stays close he can see close to 20 carries and volume is king for running back even in a tough matchup against the ravens run defense um you know we'll see what kind of touch total he gets and depending on if joe flacco plays or not you know things can change um so so there's a lot of a lot of variables that go into this but you know it makes going to get volume it's tough to sit him for somebody else who doesn't 
Uh, Marlon Mack, it's a similar similar situation here. Um, one of the another issue for Mack is his rest of season schedule. This week he goes up against Tennessee, who have allowed only 2.9 yards per carry over the last three weeks. Uh, 3.9 yards per carry over the for the year. He didn't get enough work last week to feel comfortable with moving forward, but we know they want to give him work, right? It's possible they depend on the pass game again this week to take advantage of Tennessee's vulnerabilities. But, you know, with that said, 15-plus touches and a shot at goal line carries on a good offense keeps him very startable this week. Uh, Adrian Peterson, the Redskins' offensive line is in shambles. A lot of injuries there. Uh, Peterson got some volume last week, though, despite that fact. So will the Texans get out to a huge lead? Not sure they will. Um, not sure that will necessarily happen. But So it's possible Peterson gets volume. Just I wouldn't expect too much efficiency because Houston's only allowing 3.6 yards per carry this year. Uh, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman should be back this week, so Lindsay should revert back to his like you know 13 to 15 touches instead of the you know almost 20 that he's seen since Freeman has been out. Um, I think he should still be as as efficient as he has all year, so his floor is still relatively high. Going up against the Chargers, their run defense is middle of the road, uh, so not too worried about that matchup. Uh, Julio Jones, sit him. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, you can't sit Julio Jones, but he's going to see a lot of Byron Jones this week. Uh, he's been amazing this season. He's allowing the least amount of fantasy points per route run against him in coverage, and teams just aren't throwing his way. Uh, Dallas as a whole has allowed the least amount of fantasy points to wide receivers on the left side of the offense this year, so Julio will have to make up for it when he sees Shadobi Awuzie on the other side, where he spends about 25% of his time on the field. So, you're not sitting him. Obviously, but don't be surprised if he has a subpar game. Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, uh, they both had a great game last week against the Lions. Um, you know, they've been vulnerable in the slot all year. Um, and that's kind of where Allen Robinson and Miller did their damage. Um, they were also without, the Lions were without their number one corner, Darius Slay, who was slated to shadow Allen Robinson if he played. Uh, but this week, Robinson's going to see a shadow from Xavier Rhodes, so he does still get a bit of a downgrade. Uh, we've seen Robinson disappear in some games this year, and that's because the Bears just have a ton of weapons they can choose to de- deploy in any given week, depending on the matchups they like. So he does move into the slot where Anthony Miller primarily plays, and while this was a pretty good matchup in the beginning of the year for slot wide receivers against the Vikings, they've really stepped it up lately. So I would temper expectations for both guys this week. Tyler Boyd, it's really tough to like make up you know, what to do with him right now is a tough matchup as a whole for the Bengals against the Ravens. And their offense looked pretty bad last week in a great matchup without A.J. Green. And the the Bengals are going to be without A.J. Green this week. He's already been ruled out uh, on f- this morning. So, you know, Boyd didn't play a normal complement of snaps last week in the blowout. The, the Bengals took their players off the field, uh, but did play on the outside a little bit more often because Green missed. So, 36% of the time, he's he was on the outside compared to the 10 to 20% he's been playing with Green in the lineup. And because of that, he's more of a risky star this week. But when he does play in the slot, it's actually the best matchup for wide receivers, you know, when you consider the options against the Ravens. They've given up the 11th most fantasy points to wide receivers lining up out of the slot, you know, against Tavon Young over the last four weeks. So Boyd has a chance to produce for you with volume. You know, last week, Dalton only threw the ball 20 times. Um, and Boyd had four targets, so that's a healthy 20% target share. He, he could That can even be bumped up to about 25 this week. Um, both Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton have tough matchups this week. Um, 
I think you're starting Sanders, but you know, tough matchup this week against Desmond King, one of the best nickel corners in the league. I wouldn't stress it though, since Sanders should see volume either way. Um, Sutton might not see a ton of volume in this game with Casey Hayward potentially chatting with him on the outside. So if I can bench him for another option, I might. Uh, Kenny Galladay, he's a guy who's going to see volume, right, with Marvin Jones potentially missing this week. But he's going to see a shadow from James Bradbury if that were to happen. Um, so with the volume, I think he's still a play. I would temper my expectations because of the potential shadow situation because Bradbury has uh, shut some top guys down. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, um, Adoree Jackson, Shadow Josh Gordon, as they should have, um, and could do the same this week with T.Y. Hilton. Um, the Titans are finally realizing that they can't let opposing teams expose Malcolm Butler with their number ones. This isn't, this isn't a matchup I'm benching Hilton for. We know he's a guy who can break one on any play, but the Shadow situation is something to be aware of and to understand that you know he hasn't got a ton of volume. Over the last couple games, and because of that, he might not have a huge game, but he can break one um, on any play. Keenan Allen, another guy who has a tough matchup this week against Chris Harris. Um, the volume is probably going to be there anyway, um, but the Broncos also don't stick Harris directly on a guy man-to-man all game long, so there will be times where Allen can take advantage. So I wouldn't necessarily sit him, but I do think his upside is a bit limited this week. Um, a, guy, a guy that I'm sitting... This week, I don't have a lot of sits, by the way. Like, you probably noticed that because it's all contextual to your team, right? It depends on who you have. Um, I can't have absolute sits or, you know, like sits in a vacuum because it depends on who you got, who your options are. Like, I would love to sit a lot of guys, but if I don't have any options, you know, uh, I might not sit. So, like, Devin Funches is a guy that it's it's hard for me to put him in my lineup this week. Um and because of that, he's probably going to go off uh, because I'm talking about him, uh, talking about setting him. Uh, but Funchess, he just hasn't been coming through with all the weapons healthy for Cam Newton. Three straight games of five or less targets without exceeding 44 yards. Darius Slade was back in practice for a limited session, and it looks like he'll be good to go this week. Now, if Slade doesn't go, I think Funchess gets an upgrade to a desperate, desperate start. Now, if he does play, he'll shadow Funches, which doesn't really bode too well for a guy who hasn't been producing a good matchup. So I'll be looking to sit him if Slay is good to go. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much all I had. I really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast as always. Uh, hopefully next week we do this on a Thursday again and Joey's back for that. Um, now, uh, it, I will be going over you know any injury situations. I will be updating um, all that on my Instagram story. So you can follow me at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, uh, again, really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you care to leave a review, if you can leave a five-star review um, or whatever the highest rating is on whatever platform uh, you choose to listen on, that would be amazing. I really appreciate it. And if you don't want to leave a review, that's perfectly fine too. Uh, But yeah, again, guys, have a great weekend. Um, Enjoy the games and see you next week. Bye-bye.